welcome back to this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. And guys, wow, wow, wow. So much has happened within the last 12 hours that I'm kind of at a loss for words, but we'll get into all of that. But first, as always, I'm Jerry Castillo, and I'm joined by... Uh, Daniel Wynn, and I honestly can say that I'm feeling numb and complacent right now. And joining me as well. And I know why you're feeling like that, because <laughs> last night's performance was straight garbage. But it's your boy, Relly Rail, Jarrell Sills. And as you can tell by the somewhat muted tones of my co-host today, something crazy happened within the last 12 hours. And before we get into that, I just want to give a big shout out to Long Beach Limited. Um, really cool shirt. You guys probably can't see this on the audio, but on the YouTube, really cool shirt. They're not sponsored in any way, but just want to give a shout out to Long Beach Limited. Let me move out of the way. There you go. Shout out to you guys. Great shirt. You guys got a great selection of stuff. And these sponsors. But anyways, so there's there's a lot of things going on, but the main thing that these fine gentlemen are feeling somewhat muted by is the fact that, you ready for this? The Celtics have announced that Brad Stevens is now going to be the president of basketball operations. Now, I know we talk about the West a lot, and there's going to be an interesting switch up. We're going to talk about the East for a little bit because a lot of their series is basically over. And with one of them being the Brooklyn, you know, Boston series. And so, guys, really quickly, what are your very, very, very raw thoughts and emotions? Because as you guys know, Danny Ainge, the before, who was the president of basketball operations, he retired. And according to Woj, Ainge was thinking about leaving for several several months and who would be succeeding him. Now, in the same kind of you know, wheat blast that Woj had, they, he said that Brad Stevens is going to be the head, the next head of basketball operations. According to Woj, Stevens had been worn down by coaching or with coaching since the bubble and welcomed the change. Brad Stevens is also going to be looking for the next head coach who, it could be a variety of people, you know, Ime Yudoka, Jason Kidd, Lloyd Pierce, Evan Turner, among others are in the mix. And so guys really, really raw thoughts on this because for me personally I did not see this coming I I thought that Danny Ainge he's always been known to be like okay we had a deal in place but they were asking for too much he was always that kind of person but turns out that his lack of movement I guess player movement whatever you want to call it essentially cost him his job so thoughts on this uh completely strange uh course of events uh in a, in a, and in essence, I, I'm not really surprised at all. Listen, Danny Ainge, he had a he had a great run, but at the, at the end of the day, though, I, I just think his his luck ran out. Uh, the, no the pun Celtics, intended. Yes, no look, uh, uh, no pun intended. The Celtics, they were they were a solid team for many years. They just couldn't. The biggest problem though was that they couldn't just they couldn't get a ring. They couldn't get the job done. They did, they didn't they didn't get Banner 18, and that's. That's ultimately, in my opinion, that's what cost Danny Ainge the job. Danny Ainge basically wasted many years for nothing, um, stacking up on assets, stacking up on young players. He spent too much time on the rebuild and didn't realize that what he he couldn't, he he didn't really realize that he needs executed on what he had, and he simply didn't. And and as as far as Brad Stevens go, it's kind of it's kind of a strange thing that he's getting he's now being promoted as president of basketball operations because I've honestly never really seen a situation like that, and as especially for a person as young as Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens is an elite head coach, in my opinion, despite his struggles this year. So, and it's kind of weird because there's probably other candidates that could also fill in that job. So it's kind of, it's, it's all a very strange situation. Uh, I don't really have a strong opinion on this. It's just like, wow, like that just does just happen. So I think Danny Ainge is basically done in the game of basketball. He's had his chance. He's got his one ring. I don't know if Maybe there's a team out there that's looking for him, but the way I see it, Danny Ainge is now, in my eyes, a complete dinosaur. And G, really quickly, um, that's that's interesting because when you speak of candidates, right? Um, Stephen A. Smith was actually on, you know, on his talk shows saying how it's like you said, it's a weird situation to see Brad Stevens get elevated into the pa- into the uh, the president yeah. of basketball operations and. 
yeah, I hate to get into race, but it's another white man getting another white man's job instead of someone of color getting that position or even getting interviewed for that position. So agreed. Just a just a little bit of uh, just a little bit of backstory there. But go ahead, G. Hey, no offense to Boston, Massachusetts is a beautiful place, but I, I, I as a, as a man of color, I don't know if I want to be <laughs> in that position for that squad. Uh, y'all seen what's been going on in the in the garden. But uh, it's a weird situation. It's a weird scenario, regardless of how you spin it. Just these these different aspects that Jerry just mentioned and Daniel mentioned just makes it even more weird. Um, I Ainge didn't get fired. He retired. He stepped down. So I feel like if he didn't want to leave, he would still be in this position. Of course, he hasn't delivered the Celtics. Their big, biggest accomplishment during this time has what been a conference finals appearance where they lost to the Miami Heat. Um, I, I don't I don't know. I I it's a move. Maybe it's the best move because the Celtics haven't been able to deliver. Of course, they've been in the playoffs, but what success has equated from it? I mean, we've have, we have some great assets. We have some great, good talent, but as far as you constructing a squad that's going to compete, he hasn't been able to do it. Brad Stevens has proven to be an excellent coach. And I do agree with what Daniel said, his point about him being an elite coach. I, I agree with you. So maybe that mind that he brings to the hardwood can be used in the front office. So maybe this change is what the Celtics needed. Um, it's probably also given an opportunity for another coach. We You listed um, the coaches that they're thinking of uh, potentially hiring. I mean, Udoka, uh, Jason Kidd, Lloyd Pierce, and Everett Turner all happen to be men of color. So maybe that is the position that they they potentially get. Lloyd Pierce didn't get a chance in in, uh, in Atlanta. Jason Kidd, you know, he's assistant coach right now. So I don't know. Uh that's that's my thoughts on it. Let's see what the Celtics can do. I'm not a no by no means a Celtics fan, but Jason Tatum is is, is awesome. Uh, Jalen Brown is awesome. Kimball Walker not so much, but I would like to see this squad do something. You know, it's 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 not the NBA without the Celtics being at the top, right? Yeah, and I just want to posit this question up to you guys because it's you know it's an interesting predicament that the Boston Celtics find themselves in. What do you think, or is do you recall a time? where it kind of signaled Ainge's time with the Celtics was ending because I can't personally recall one, but I think something that kind of helped nudge Danny Ainge to quote-unquote retire is the fact that, again, going back to all those failed trades, like, you know, Miles Turner for potentially Gordon Hayward, right, and a few picks. That would have been, dare I say, one of the better moves that he could have done, maybe the way that the Isaiah Thomas situation could have played out might, might've been better. Have do you guys ever see something like that happening with this or no? It's just one of those things where his time is up. He's just gotten, he's just become a dinosaur. To answer that question, Jared, I don't think there was any moment in particular, like, Oh, like that's it. Like, like the smoking gun, like that's it. He's, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a goner. He's done. So it's just, I think if there was any moment, it was this season is because, we just got from a season where they literally went to the Eastern Conference Finals, where many, many really expected them to go to the NBA Finals and just didn't happen. And then turn to the next season where like they're literally in the bottom half of the of the Eastern Conference playoff teams. I think this season did a lot to damage Danny Ainge's standing within the Celtics organization. And it's combined that with the with the multiple years of not really executing on what he had on the table, not really bringing a championship home. He got caught up in the whole rebuild. I think he got too caught up in the rebuild. And it, it just, it, with this season that happened, it just, it just all caught up to him. And then like, then he just became a dinosaur. Uh, I mean, Danny Ainge isn't a bad GM. He's not a bad president no, of not. basketball operation. So I, I can't sit here and say he's a dinosaur. Like, of course this season was, it's, it's a, it's a weird season. It's coming off of the bubble season. So it, I wouldn't count it as far as everything that he has done so far. We got to remember Jason Tatum is what in his third, fourth year, fourth year as a pro. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just building up the squad. He was one move away from still being the president of basketball operations. You feel what I'm saying? He got Kimba Walker on that squad. Before Kimba Walker was, Walker was on the Celtics, he was balling in Charlotte. He just happened to lose all his powers like he was on Space Jam, right? I mentioned this before. One move away, you know, we get we I don't think he got I don't think he got caught up in the rebuild. He got caught up in maybe the small ball. Maybe he didn't have the cojones to go for that big play. You know what I'm saying? The home run hitter. But 
I don't I can't see he's a bad GM. Look at the Celtic squad. It just it's it's a lot of on paper, it looks good. You know what I'm saying? It looks okay, it looks decent, it looks like it can compete, but it's I think it's a little bit more than that. It's it's just, it, it was one move away from um making a big splash. Um, I don't know. The roster, I don't know, it's just constructed weird. It's 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 I don't know what I can explain. I just said I don't know like ten times, but that's the situation that we're given here. But I don't think he's a bad uh GM at all. Yeah, I mean had it not been for injuries to Jalen Brown and, you know, Kemba Walker, ultimately, that this, this would have been a much more competitive series than the five-game gentleman sweep that we saw, right? Because Jalen Jalen Brown, he is an amazing talent. He's not, he's not superstar, but he can compete. And I feel like it's just a really, really rough situation for Boston. And, you know, it doesn't help that their fans haven't been the greatest throwing stuff at Kyrie no. Irving for standing or for like wiping his foot on lucky the uh, the center mascot at the TD Garden and as a whole i just want to get my spiel out before we move on fans really need to get their shit together like Agreed. i don't know what possesses these fans maybe it's entitlement maybe it's been Maybe it's because they've been in the in their homes for over a year and they're just excited to be back. I don't know what it is, but they really need to get their shit together because harassing players' families, in particular John Moran's family, you know, spitting on Trey Young, again, like the aforementioned, throwing water bottles at Kyrie, which may be retaliatory and, you know, the perpetrator has been arrested, showering Westbrook with popcorn as he was walking away with an injury, fans running on the court. What the f- is this what are we watching after a year we've been talking about how it's great to have fans back gee you even talked about having the fans back it's wonderful but what the f- is this are have we devolved so much after a year of isolation that we resort to these to these tactics that tactless it's it really boggles the mind as to why people are doing this i don't know why this is happening people really should put their self in check and they really need to stop doing this because they're lucky enough to go to a game. The three of us, we haven't been to a game in I don't know how long, right? In a long time, basically put. And these fans get to have this experience of a lifetime that many millions of us would crave. And they're doing this crash shit. What is going on? Go ahead, Daniel. There needs to be some type of regulation. For better or worse, what, I mean... The advantage the NBA has with their games is that fans have the opportunity to sit so close to the players. For a fan experience, that's a great advantage, but they're, we're seeing the great disadvantage of that. Where you know we get these crazy fans that you know think it's okay to to literally harass these play, these players. Look, putting our team allegiances aside, you got people got to realize these players are actually still human beings, and they need to be treated with respect. So. Touching, touching them, spinning at them, throwing popcorn at them—that's crossing the too. line. Bottles that graze yes. players' heads. Yes. Like, what are we doing here? It's harassment, and there there needs to be some sort of regulation with this. I mean the uh, the the NBA has a has a really unique situation here, and there's got to be a way where the fans can't get too close to the players anymore because. It's it's happened too often. Yeah, I mean, I hope not. I hope these ass jerk faces get their get themselves in check. But go ahead, G. I mean, it's not much to say. I'm not. I don't, I don't want to touch up on it too much. Uh, people are weirdos. It's. I don't. I don't want these people that are doing stupid stuff to ruin the experience for other people because there's still fans out there that you know bring their jerseys to get signed gets hugs by players you know make a wish whatever the case may be like you said daniel that's a part of the game that's part of the nba just community and becoming and and being together um i don't know people need to they need to relax i don't know if we need to up the security or whatever the case may be but i don't know dog if they listen to this podcast y'all need to chill out bro these are people you would your mama would not like you throwing popcorn or water bottles at people. Like, why would you do that? Spitting on them too. I don't know. I don't know what's the you know the liquor liquor situation in the in the stadiums, but maybe they under the influence or something. They feel a little bit too hype. Maybe that's what we need to bring down a little bit. I don't know. So really quickly on that, I think they've lowered it a little bit. The uh, 
the alcohol level allowance or whatever because of malice at the palace. So yes. they, I think they capped each person to like one drink. And then after like the third or fourth quarter, no one can have drinks. So, and again, these aren't isolated incidents. It's like, we've seen this happen more in the last few weeks than we have in like a long time. Right. Because yep. we've, we've, mm-hmm. it's fine if, fine but it makes sense if fans want to say hey westbrook you suck and then westbrook comes back and like scores 13 straight that's fine but if you're harassing someone's family talking all this mess calling them derogatory names throwing stuff at them spitting at them that's unacceptable man like again you are one of the lucky few that gets to go to a an nba games when we're still in a pandemic people forget that right don't don't ruin it for the rest of us don't be an asshat just don't it's it's really angering if you ha- if you can't tell. Just Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just the situation. It's like every every day you see something new on Sports Center, like, oh, XYZ fan just did something horrendous. It's like oh, again. And a lot I feel like a lot of people just doing it for the clout, you know what I'm saying? So they can be yep. on social media, whatever case may be. But you gotta put yourself in that situation. Like, bro, if you ever played competitively and I'm I'm you know, all my emotions is in it, you know, I already gotta hear y'all talk about me and whatnot. I look like walking to the back and got some popcorn. I don't care what it is. Why are you doing that to me? Like, you know, if you think of it like this, like, bro, you wouldn't do that in the street. <laughs> you feel <laughs> what I'm saying? If you didn't know me, yes. you wouldn't throw no popcorn at me. You wouldn't spit no spit at me. You wouldn't throw some water at me. If you did, you might get you might get up. But they know that they're in that situation where the worst that's going to happen is they get arrested. And for some people uh, that are privileged, nothing comes out of that like i don't i don't see much follow-up after the initial oh they got escorted out of the uh stadium we might see a um article a day or two later talking about they get banned for an undisclosed amount of time but you know so i don't know it's it's weird very weird yeah and you know it's weird and i really hope this isn't going to continue once you know the pandemic does end and you know more civilized and more level-headed people get get a chance to be on the court but you know it is what it is and switching on to something else that's a little bit better we talked about westbrook and daniel you said the wizards 76ers series is one of the worst well surprisingly it probably may not be because it's now a 3-1 series to the 76ers the the most interesting thing is joel Embiid is out and he's considered day-to-day because he has a small meniscus tear in his right knee after falling awkwardly. So, thoughts on the series as a whole? Because I think it, this is still not interesting to me. Uh, I'm joining Daniel here. It's still not interesting to me. I mean, yeah, this injury, although sad and sucks, does add a little bit of intrigue. It's still the Sixers in maybe five or six. And they're playing tonight, too peek behind the curtain it's wednesday so probably by the time this comes out the the wizards already eliminated but quick thoughts on this still i don't really have any thoughts of the about this series really uh it's i just don't care it's 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 like i said before last week it's bad television um uh i still think the sixers will get away with this in five the wizards could sneak one in six because of Joel Embiid's uh, situation. I think the bigger story of this series coming out is I think this is going to, if Joel Embiid stays injured going into the next round, I think the Sixers are in big trouble. Um, Like the Lakers, Philadelphia relies on their bigs and, and Joel Embiid's the face of the franchise. He's probably, he's in my opinion, their most important player. He goes down, the whole castle goes down because we all know that Ben Simmons can't shoot threes. So it, if Joel Embiid doesn't figure out his health soon, uh, Philadelphia is, in my opinion, is looking at a second round exit. Interesting. And, and let's not forget, Doc Rivers has also blown multiple three-one leads. But go ahead, G. Yes. Yeah. Big shout out to the first two and D player ever, Ben Simmons. <laughs> but I mentioned this before in previous podcasts, uh, and and I feel like I'm a fortune teller. Joel Embiid gets injured. 76ers might that, that might cost them something. Um, the series, I get it, not intriguing at all, especially because we Bradley Bill has underperformed. But this game is going to be interesting because the 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 Wizards actually have a chance to win. I didn't think they, I thought they were going to get swept. You know what I'm saying? They got that win. 
3-1, no gentleman sweep. They're going to get the W tonight. Russell Westbrook's going to go two for 35, but he's still going to get a triple-double. But all you need is Bradley to, Bradley Bill to go off. All you need is for him to go off one game. This is the game. Get that W. We also have to factor in that Bertans is out. Uh, but, you know, to much to Daniel's point, how, how far can a 76ers go without Joel Embiid and as Ben Simmons as the front runner for the squad? I don't know. It, it may be enough to get past this, this beaten down Wizards squad, but if they get past this first round, Doc Rivers doesn't blow this, this 3-1 lead, they're, they're for sure going to get taken out second round if Joel Embiid's not back. Yeah. It's, I don't know what to think about the series. I mean, I, it sucks, Joel Embiid. But, you know, they're so reliant on Joel Embiid that I don't know if they can, like Daniel said, if they do face off, if they do make it to the second round, it's and he's not 100%, they can't make it. There's no way. Because he's the cog. He's the foundation. But, you know, it is what it he's is. He's the process. He he's is. the process. Yeah. Can you guys process the fact that the Hawks have a 3-1 series lead over the New York Knicks? Because I didn't. I mean... All that jazz about New York winning, what was it, game two, and then just losing two games straight by, what is it, a large margin? I mean, you got to you gotta give credit to Derrick Rose for stepping up because he's played fantastic as a starter, but no one else can step up. Like, I was watching the, um, the Hawks-Knicks game a few days ago, and they were, the Atlanta Hawks fans, they were savage, dude. They were calling uh, Julius Randle overrated. Because the dude got his he got his award and then he dipped. He's been shooting and playing horribly, dude. But yeah, thoughts? I you know this was a fun series, but it's over soon. So it was fun while it lasted for New York. Uh, if you remember last week, I was saying that this series was going to go seven games. I was far. I was like way wrong. Like on there, the fact is, Trey Young basically lit- and literally took over the series. Trey Young is, in my opinion. I'm going to say he's he's an underrated player in this league. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. I think he's a phenomenal young talent. I think he's going to be in 5 years time he's going to be a top 3 point guard in this league. Trey I think he and it this is this series has been representative of what stars can do in the NBA and how they impact teams. The New York Knicks, they're a good team but they lack stars and Trey Young is the star on his team and the the Hawks took advantage of that and the the Knicks have simply had have had no answer. Still, even though it, it wasn't like the seven-game thrill I thought it was going to be, it's, it was still fun to watch. It was still great TV. It was great seeing Spike Lee, Moody on the, on, you know, <laughs> on the sidelines. So uh, it's a fun series. I, I, don't, I don't think the Hawks go uh, any further than this, but it, it kind of shows you, like, you know, Trey, Trey Young is going to do a lot of good things in this league going forward. And, and, and this might be the start of a story, you know. Uh, Trey Young might be the Nick killer, you know. Uh, he's the bad guy in, in the garden. Um, but this might contradict previous statements before in, in earlier episodes about Julius Randle. Uh, it said he was in between that that all-star and star um, spectrum here. Um, and I guess this is what we're seeing, uh, much much as to what we're seeing of Dennis Schroeder and how he's performing. <laughs> but we'll get about get into that a little we'll bit later. But that, yep. uh, Julius Randle is underperforming. And I think that's been the biggest disappointment of this series. But this is just showing his true colors. I'm not saying that he is an awful basketball player because he's been a phenomenal this, this regular season. But this is playoff basketball. This is a totally different realm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but is this Julius Randle's first playoff appearance? I think so, yeah. I think it it has to be. So not only is Let he inserts not only is he inserted in this new role as the, the go-to guy, but he's also inexperienced. Even if this is not his first playoff experience, maybe it might be his second, but I'm pretty sure it's his first because he's been on some bad teams. But um maybe with the Pelicans. I mean nope. even even still, right? This is not this is not but, Go ahead, go this ahead. is foreign. This is foreign for him because regardless, even if he went with the Pelicans with AD, uh, AD is the go-to. You're the go-to. You're the man. So this is just showing that Julius Randle might be that second, you know, that one-two punch. He's the two and the one. So obviously – It is his first uh, series. So this is his first series, unexperienced, in a new role. I'm not trying to give excuses, just trying to give some context, uh, context here. But um, 
yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that came out of this is Trey Young. He he's growing into his own. I said before he's the villain, and he's showing, he's proving it now. Go ahead and, and hit a dagger in the New York Knicks face, and then go ahead and give a smirk or a smile to uh, Spike Lee, and then you just solidified yourself as a, a, a phenomenal player, in my opinion, Trey Young. So yeah, Hawks gonna win the next game, gentlemen. Sweet. Yeah, and we're talking about Julius Randle. He's averaging 16 points and 11 rebounds and four, and four assists, which on the surface, it's fine. But he's shooting 27% from the field and 33 from three-point land. We're talking about, you know, stars, right? And Derrick Rose took kind of like an easy, an easy regular season coming off the bench and just saving his energy. But then when it came time for playoffs, he was there. He was showing out. And I guess that's what, that's what distinguishes it, like an all-star from a superstar. Julius Randle is an all-star. Derrick Rose is a superstar. And you can just use this as an example as to how to differentiate the two. Was? I mean... He was a superstar? I gotta say he was. was. I I wouldn't say he's a superstar now. I'm gonna say he's still a superstar right now. (laughs) He's still... Because he's the only one playing well for a Knicks team that needs help. And so I'm going to give it to him just for this. If he continues this, then yeah, sure. But, I mean, it, it is what it is, right? Like, we're talking, about, we're talking about the East and the Knicks Hawks series, which we thought would go seven, which it didn't. But another series that we thought would go long would be the Heat Bucks, and that was just incredibly disappointing. If there's one thing to, to note about this particular series, it's this. Jimmy Butler had 58 points. Bryn Forbes had 60 in the series. So really quick thoughts on this. Personally, disappointed with Miami. Wasn't what I was expecting. I don't think Victor Oladipo would have helped as much either. But, you know, it is what it is. Sorry, you're the first team to uh, to go to go fishing. But, I mean, hey, you're in Miami, so it's not that far. Disappointed as well. I thought Miami would give at least give the series a go for six games. But Jimmy Butler was simply abysmal in the series. He, he just literally broke down. I think if more than anything, the Heat really got got hammered by the short offseason that occurred between the bubble season and now, and that really ha- that really hurt them throughout this year. Uh, I have an interesting point, and where, where should Miami go from here? I really mm-hmm. think once this season is done, and I think the Clippers are not going to get to the finals, they're going to, I think, Pat Riley, Mickey Arison, Eric Spolster and company should really go after Kawhi Leonard. I think... I think Kawhi Leonard on paper is the perfect fit in, in South Beach. He's got the front office, which he has in LA. Uh, Steve Ballmer, he's a decent owner, but Miami is a, is the superior front office. And the most important thing, something Kawhi doesn't have with the Clippers right now, is that he has on court leadership. Jimmy Butler is is, in my opinion, he's he's a decent leader, and he definitely he definitely knows how to take charge. If Kawhi Leonard goes to Miami, he would have a person to follow. So I think Miami. If they want to keep their um, this you know this good run open, there I think they should really should go after Quiland. I think Quiland is a, is a great fit in South Beach. All right. Um, very interesting points here. Uh, you're gonna have to uh, convince Uncle Dennis uh, to pry <laughs> him away from his hometown. Uh, but I feel like I just want to just touch up on that because you you this it was an interesting point. I just feel like wherever Kawhi happens to go, whether he stays in LA or, he, or with the Clippers or goes to the Heat, it's a lose-lose situation for him, regardless. Um, and the reason why I say that is because the the construction of the squad. I know you got Jimmy Butler and Bam over there, but what what else support do you have? You know, what I'm saying Tyler Hero hasn't shown up. Goran Dragic is bad. He's he's damaged goods now. Um, I feel like last year's Heat was a little bit better prepared than this year's heat like they didn't make the right moves that offseason to equip themselves um with with whatever tools they needed to compete this year and it showed in the playoffs with the bucks and i I know that in the beginning i was like okay the bucks are they they up first game so you know the heat they're gonna come come through but i've been wrong i've been wrong a lot so maybe i'm wrong about Kawhi to the to the to the heat as well but yeah, this is very disappointing. I don't know where Miami goes from here. Um, they've just been making a lot of weird decisions, kind of close, 
similar to like the Celtics, but just in a, in a matter of getting players like Victor Oladipo, who's even more damaged because how do you keep getting players that are injured? You already have a lot of injuries on your squad. Why are you going for players that are injured uh, or injury prone? So I don't know. I feel like the Heat are going to be one of those seven to eight seeds for the next years to come. Jimmy Butler is entering the twilight, regardless how you look at it. And I don't know who they're building with, Bam, and who else? Because Tyler Hero hasn't shown up. I don't know what's Probably going on. Probably Duncan Robinson, right? At this point? He's a phenomenal. Oh. He's he's like Joe Harris light. Oh, okay, you go build around Joe Harris. You go build around J.J. Redick. You go build around yeah. Kyle Korver. I'm, I'm sorry. That's not, that's not competing in this league. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. If you're, if you're the Heat, the prestige will get you something. If it's a meeting, sure. That's... You know, we don't know what Victor Oladipo's status is for next year. He could be out for the entire year. But Jimmy and Bam, they're always going to be competitive, and you'll be you'll be for damn sure that Pat Riley is going to have something competitive out there. But we've we've kind of strung out this topic for way too long. Daniel, you talked about the Lakers. G, you talk about disappointments. Well, let's talk about the disappointing Lakers. So because in Game Five. The Suns absolutely destroyed the Lakers and now lead 3-2 in the series. I mean, I didn't see this coming, especially the massive destruction that the Lakers underwent through in Game 5. But something I did notice was how it's kind of strange the way that LeBron has been acting. Because in Game 4, after Dennis Schroeder missed that layup, I think it was late in the fourth, he just hung his head and he just jogged back on defense, right? And then in game five, he left with five minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. Now, I don't know if it's just me being kind of weird, but I don't see leaders doing that. I don't see leaders just putting their head down, admitting defeat. Well, you wouldn't see Kobe leaving the game with five minutes left in the fourth, even though it was a blowout. He'd still be on the bench. He'd be like trying to rile up his teammates to get something out of it, out of them to make it seem like it was worth fighting for, right? And it's just kind of weird to see LeBron do that. Any any quick thoughts on that before I let you guys have your few minutes to just let everything out? You know, I just wanted to get this out of the way. I'm just feeling, like I said it at the beginning of the episode, I want to get angry, but I can't because at the end of the day, um, I feel complacent and numb. I'm feeling that way is because if, you know, I'm not going to react passionately to this because if the guys on the court of my team, you know, don't care, then why should I care? Le- LeBron James and, and these guys, they, they're, we're, we're clearly lacking the chemistry we had last year. And it's, it's obvious from the play on the court we saw, in, especially in game four post 80 injury that these guys don't give a shit. Dennis Schroeder doesn't even want to be here. LeBron James knows this, and he's not. Yeah, he's not acting like a leader, like a leader. And I'm calling him out. Like, like, I I don't really have much words for this because I just I I'm sorry, Jared. Like, I don't care since they don't care. You don't have to apologize to me. I'm not a Laker fan. But go ahead, G. Um. So if you see my shirt right now, it says "Be a Hero." I'm gonna come to the rescue a little bit here for LeBron James and and defend him here a little bit. Uh, we've seen this out of LeBron multiple times, regardless of what squad he's on. There's players that do boneheaded stuff. J.R. Smith, for one, Kyle Kuzma. I've seen this with this team, teams in in years past with LeBron on it, where they do stupid stuff, and LeBron gets gets frustrated, gets irritated. For instance, I believe it was game two, game three-ish. I don't have my specific games, but I know it was during this series. LeBron James goes on a fast break, kicks out an outlet pass to Kyle Kuzma. He's running to the basket like, oh, yeah, you're about to lob this ball up to me and dunk it. What does Kyle Kuzma do? He shoots a floater. Clink, 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 clink. Of course, because you know he ain't making He only got five points this series. LeBron James is like, oh, you serious, bro? Because you know the IQ isn't there. I, I understand LeBron's frustration. I understand his irritation. I'm, I'm not saying that these are, are, are um, excuses for him to per, per, perform or behave the way he does, but we've seen this in, in, in players, Michael Jordan, Kobe as well, where he sh- I'm not saying Kobe gives up on the play, but he has shake his head in irritation. People handle it a different way, and LeBron James has handled it like this his whole career. But much to what you said, Daniel, when players are coming out here not giving a shit, 
and they're doing stupid stuff, how am I supposed to react, bro? LeBron James, I mentioned this in, in last week's episode. He's 36 freaking years old. I don't know what we're expecting from him. He's expecting a 27-year-old Dennis Schroeder, a 28-year-old Andre Drummond, a 25-year-old Kyle Kuzma to be able to compete, play basketball, do what you did to get yourself to be in the NBA. Do You got to the NBA without LeBron James. What the f*** you on my team and you can't do shit? We'll get into that a little bit later. But all that to just come to be the hero for LeBron James. And I'm not going to put all of this on him because it is a team effort. And I'm not, I don't know what we're expecting from a 36-year-old. I mean, as, there's only so much he can do. And I'm pretty sure we're going to get into that a little bit later as we go down the list. But just wanted to say that. Yeah, I mean, by all means, this is your time to just let everything out. Because, you know, growing up, I watched I watched Michael more than more than LeBron. I'll put it simply. And the way that I've seen Michael, whenever these these type of situations come up, he's not going to dip on his team because he's such a competitor that if there was a chance for, even if it's the slightest chance to win a game, he's going to want to win because he's such a maniacal competitor. And with LeBron, I feel like his passive aggressiveness kind of comes off as, it doesn't come off right, right? I mean, he's 36-year-old, true. And he has all these young guys around him, true. And they're not performing up to the level that he expects from them, true. But at the same time, isn't it up to the leader to try and get them to that level that he's on by doing something? I mean, if he's gonna if he's gonna do that and sulk, right? Then you don't think he you don't think he's tried? I mean, he I mean, might play, look, listen, listen, really listen. quickly, really quickly. <laughs> Go ahead. He did that with KCP, right? He said, "Shoot the damn ball." right yeah but it just i don't know i obviously we're outsiders looking in and stories could be wildly different but comparing him to michael or even kobe in this respect because they are such maniacal winners they want to win so badly it's just really difficult to to see that for lack of a better term that mamba mentality inside of lebron these last few games at least that willingness to go the extra distance to go rile up their team and like you said it's the outside looking in uh yeah. we we keep comparing them to kobe and and, and and mike and these two players are score first mentality right lebron james is pass first mentality but just happens to be an amazing gifted score so it's difference i've seen kobe and mike cuss out players lebron james might not do it initially because uh, or in this past game because of what he's got he he does this. He does this every year. So I don't know why we're acting so different that he tries to get his teammates involved because he understands this is a team game and he can't do it alone. Michael couldn't do it alone. He had Scottie Pippen. He had Dennis Rodman. Kobe couldn't do it alone. He had Kobe. He had, Kobe. He had Shaq. He had Pau Gasol. He had Lamar Odom. LeBron James, who he got out here? AD is made of glass. LeBron James is, is, is getting triple to quadruple team after he just almost and broke his ankle his his game has changed a little bit i've seen him attack i saw him the first game we watched the game his first five minutes he was energetic he started dishing it off to his teammates and the mother was missing how can we put all the blame on lebron james there's so many factors that come into play i'm not going to sit here and compare him to, to michael jordan and kobe when it comes to that mentality because we already know kobe and michael are the are the comparable ones it, it, the only thing that we're comparing is the goat thing but as far as the mentality with that we throwing out the window Look at what we're presented with. Michael Jordan was frustrated with his squad before he got players to actually come in out and play. LeBron James is, is – is, look look at what we're left with. Look what we're left with. Dennis Schroeder went zero for nine. He had, yeah. he had zero points in 25 minutes. And you telling me you, Dennis Schroeder, want uh, what, a max deal? And you can't even score a point in the playoffs? And, and, and me as a leader, I'm supposed to – it's going to be all right, man. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. You know what I'm saying? Dennis the Menace. He does that. He does that on social media. He talks to him. I'm pretty sure LeBron James, James does leadership things behind the scenes, just like how Kawhi is. Kawhi is very quiet, but I'm pretty sure he talks to his teammates. We think he just goes out there and be mute. It's a lot of going on, bro. I, don't, I, I can't put myself in LeBron James' shoes, but I'm going to defend the f*** out of him. Because this squad, we saw it earlier in the year without AD, without LeBron, how they performed. And I don't know why I felt like they were going to just miraculously be able to come together and do stuff because they weren't doing shit in the regular season. 
bro, good teams are able to stay 500 without their stars, at least, bro, at least. Hmm. So for Dennis Schroeder to come out here and think he's an all-star, Andre Drummond come out here, bum as I don't know what, and the rest of these players not able to hit shots, and then Frank Vogel sitting here keeping Trez on the bench, and then you see THT actually gets us a bucket in the third quarter, and then you sit him down. I don't get it. I don't understand. There's a lot of frustration going on here, and I can't, like I said, I can't put, some, put myself in LeBron James' shoes, but given all of this stuff, I understand. I understand. Fair enough. What about you, Daniel? I just want to get out there. This series is most likely over. Um, I think Suns are going to get this uh, series in six or seven games. Regardless if the Lakers win tomorrow, I think that the ultimate pressures of the hostile crowd down in Phoenix, Arizona is going to get the best of them. Simply put, this team is ass right now. The Lakers are simply ass. They're they're they belong in the dumpster fire. They they be, they belong they belong in the junkyard. This team simply, first of all, we're literally the Lakers are literally shooting bricks. This team is mm-hmm. they're 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 missing wide open threes, wide open threes. Not acceptable. You gotta hit those. Two, they're letting Phoenix eat us eat us in the paint. DeAndre Ayton, despite our big bodies, we're bigger than them. And DeAndre Ayton is literally dominating us. And I'm also noticing this too. Phoenix is also getting a lot of second chance points, which I attribute to good rebounding. They're out rebounding us. Unacceptable. We're bigger than them. And they're out rebounding us. So, and plus the biggest thing of all, and I've mentioned this before, this team has a soft ass mentality. I mentioned last week, the Clippers having the soft ass mentality. I forgot that the other LA team also had that too. So this team clearly has no heart. AD, AD is simply undependable. I'm going to say it right now. In the short term, the Lakers could be in another rebuild in a short two to three years. Because let's face it, I hate to say this, I love AD. He's a phenomenal player. But he's not the face of the franchise. He doesn't have the fire, the heart to lead a team. He's more of a Kareem. He, he's got to be the second option. He's got to be the second option. And with his injuries, he's simply undependable. So if his body breaks down quicker and LeBron James ultimately retires, this franchise could be f***ed in a, th- in a short span of three seasons. Wow. Okay. Can we talk about uh, uh, the paint and, and getting eaten alive? Because the f***ing – and we're going to talk about the Lakers wanting to keep Andre Drummond. But no. they, are, they are eating this man alive. This dude is big for nothing. Let me tell you, <laughs> everybody looks at him as barbecue chicken. He does the little vert- uh, vertical, verticality, whatever, to try to uh, defend. Verticality. Verticality to try, to try to defend whoever's coming at him. But everybody bounces off of him and makes the layup, or they, they score, or they get fouled. What the hell, bro? Why are you flopping? Fourth quarter, third quarter, I didn't even watch it to the third quarter, so it had to be in the <laughs> second quarter. They got a switch. Chris Paul was dribbling to the wing, and this mother <laughs> trying to take a charge at the top of the key from 175 pounds. Chris Paul, when you 280? Come on, bro. No way I want to keep you. And at this point, it's like this is the best option that we're potentially going to have because Montrez is gone. Montrez is gone. You're not playing him. Why are you? Why are we going away from – what was effective in the regular season. Montrez was a was a beautiful thing this season because when AD and LeBron went out, what did he do? Perform. Schroeder had some games, but it was kind of, you know, it still wasn't consistent. Trez was consistent, bro. He was getting us 20 points a game. He was getting us 10, 12 rebounds if he wasn't giving us 20 points a game. THT, I know at this point, I'm like, bro, we got to play him because Alice Caruso don't know how to shoot no more. The defense is defense, but y'all not locking down. So why are you so focused in on having Alice Caruso and Wesley Matthews in Wesley Matthews does hustle. They do hustle. But you're so focused in for them to play defense, but you're not. they not playing defense. Like, they not locking down. So, I don't know, bro. Y'all have Cameron Payne out here looking like an all-star, bro. I kid you not, bro. He's averaging double digits. He was out of the league last year. He was dancing with Russell Westbrook three years ago, and now he dancing on us. And this is freaking ridiculous, bro. I just – I just – I am lost for words. Almost threw my phone at the TV. I like watching Lakers games, but I turned it off multiple times. And for all these Lakers wanting – I don't know, bro. I just – I'm so confused. Hey, man, just let it all out. If you guys have anything to to say, just let it all out. And really quickly on your point about Drummond, G. So apparently if the Lakers lose, according to some things that I read, the some executives are thinking that they might the Lakers might shake things up. Now, I don't know if there's any validity to that because there's still two more games and anything can happen with LeBron James. But that's just some food for thought. But go ahead, Daniel. About um, the players that are currently on the squad, it's being clear. Uh, this 
this championship window is at risk of closing much quicker than we thought. I said it before. Um, everyone um, needs to be put on the table. Every player except for LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I think the only way this championship window can go farther than where it's currently gone right now is let's be, I'm going to be real. The Lakers need a third option. AD is, is becoming undependable with his injuries. LeBron James is only getting older. We, this Laker team needs a third option. Will we get a third option? That's an all-star. Probably not. But for this run to keep going, the it's imperative that the Lakers get a, a reliable third option that can take over when LeBron James and Anthony Davis can't simply uh, take up the task. Fair enough. Fair enough. You guys have anything else to add? This is your time to vent before we move on I, to one of the probably one of the last things we'll talk about today. I, I agree. Regardless of if if the Lakers get out of this situation or not, this this team doesn't look like a championship team. Much to what Daniel said, the mentality isn't there. Uh, players aren't giving a f- and I, I it's it, it's this offseason is going to be weird for sure. A lot of players are going to be gone. Uh, we're not going to have that pool, I think, as far as, oh, we're a championship contender because you've seen how we just handled this year. So I agree with him. We need a, a third option, but that third option needs to be a guard. I'm hoping that that third option can uh, come can be THT, hopefully. Um, if not, we can get somebody. I don't know. I don't know what leverage we have. Victor Oladipo. No, <laughs> no. We already got one injury prone uh player and that's anthony davis we do not need another so uh i don't know i don't know what leverage we have as far as actually being able to uh get somebody on this squad but uh it's, it's looking really it's looking really rough okay and last thing before we move on to this last topic here okay in your ideal world who would that guard be zach levine or Wow, uh, I got my head up in the uh, in the sky. I know Jarrell's gonna freaking yell at me, but in an ideal world, you said ideal, right? Ideal. Yeah, I, I that's why I threw out Zach Levine, Damian Lillard. Well, that's why would, really I, why would I why would I scream? I'm gonna be ideally realistic and say Devontae Graham because he will be a free agent this year, and we can somehow jimmy him away from uh. Charlotte, the, the Hornet, the Hornets, because they got guards. So I'm gonna be realistic with it. Uh, saw some news on it, and I I even mentioned it in podcast earlier as far as trades go. Um, so Devontae Graham, that's what I'm gonna roll with. But uh, <laughs> if we could get Dame time, of course. But he's he's loyal to the soil, and that's actually one of his songs when I say that. So that's a reference to that. But he's loyal to the soil, so I don't think he's going anywhere. But yeah, well, he may not be going anywhere, but you know where we're headed because that's a great segue. We're t- we're gonna talk about Dame Lillard because man, he is one hell of a player. G you talked about going off, players going off earlier in the podcast. Well, Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard went off for fifty five points in the one forty seven one forty loss against the Nuggets. The Nuggets have a three two series lead now. Think about it this way, Lillard, he. It's fantastic, right? He had 55, and he had an, an NBA record 12 threes, and he hit two threes to send it to overtime and double overtime. And check this. He's the only player in NBA history with 50 points, 10 assists, and more than 10 made threes, and he's done it twice. His line for the night? 55 points, 6 rebounds, 10 assists, and only one turnover, with 55 being his playoff career high. Now... Another thing to put into context, Dame had 17 points in the two overtime periods. His teammates had two on one of 19 shooting. Dame is must-watch basketball by himself. I don't know about the Trailblazers. Thoughts on the series because Dame is a phenomenal athlete. He's a phenomenal talent. He's, dare I say, a Hall of Famer right now. You guys can fight me if you want to. Y'all are probably going to win because I don't fight, but he is... He is undoubtedly a Hall of Famer. And performances like this just goes to show that Portland needs to get their stuff together, their act together, because they're wasting an, a meteoric like superstar. There's no other way to put it. They're just wasting time. Absolutely agree with you, Jared. I think um, Damian Lillard, uh, despite the, you know, his lack of recognition from the media over the years, I think he's an absolute Hall of Famer. He is must-see television. He's one of the he I take um I echo what Jarrell said, you know, last week. Dame needs some help. And I don't think the front office is capable of 
really in the long term of helping them out because you know he's in Portland, which is a small market, and not many big stars need like you know want to go there. That's so that's why I think for Damian Lillard, you know, if I'm him, I want out, but it's just not going to happen. I, it's it's kind of sad to say this. Portland is wasting such such a great player. Um, he scored fifty five points last night and he still lost. So yeah. that just that just tells me that the Nuggets are gonna they're gonna win this series in six or seven games. I'm leaning towards six. Uh, Denver has the advantage here, but man, Dame Dame is something else. Is I just don't want to see his career wasted. But that's all I got to say about this series so far. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal, man. Dame Dame Lillard is is an amazing player, and like you said, is must watch basketball uh just get the goosebumps watching him shooting those threes um being clutch i think that's the biggest thing clutch 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 he might be the clutchest player in the nba today um agree with majority what most of you guys are saying as far as hall of famer um i think it's about time where the gm has to start thinking about cj McCullough in his future with this squad i know damian lillard is all about loyalty um as far as his teammates go and um the organization but if Damian Lillard's not going to ask out, which he's not going to do, CJ McCollum got to go because obviously it's not working. He kind of has the CP3 syndrome where he just happens to be injured somewhere, somehow, every playoffs, uh, doesn't show up and doesn't play defense to kind of, you know, help Damian Lillard on the perimeter. So I think that's the point where we got to get at because the Portland Trailblazers attempted to make a better squad. They got Robert Covington, a 3 and D player. They got um, Derek um, Jones. Derek Jones Jr., uh, uh, defensive player, athletic, you know, um, the hope was for uh, Yusef uh, Nurkic to continue to just get back to his old ways. But Norman um, Powell, too. Norman Powell as well. But it's just, it wasn't exactly what they needed. It's kind of similar to what the Celtics did with Fournier. But, uh, yeah, they might have to trade CJ and, and get something in return in Simmons. Uh, that's, that's my hope, that y'all bring Ben Simmons there. And I think that one-two combo there, no, I think would probably work a little bit better because you get the two and D, you get defense and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> dominating in the paint. But yeah, Dame Lillard, bro, going down Hall of Famer. He's top three point guard in the league right now, and he's not number three. He might not be number two either. <laughs> okay, spicy. We'll leave that for next for next season because bl- the Blazers. As much as I hate to say it, there there's no way. If this squad, if the Nuggets squad had Jamal Murray, just imagine how much better they'd be. <laughs> or Will Barton. But this situation, the you know, the Trailblazers find themselves in reminds me of the Steph Monta Ellis connection, except supercharged. The Warriors had to get rid of Monta Ellis to get Andrew Bogut back, a defensive presence, which for all intents and purposes, the Trailblazers kind of need on the wing. Look what happened. A few years later, the Warriors are champions. So I think that's kind of, to your point, G, that's the step that they need is to trade CJ to go get Ben Simmons because at this point, what can you lose, right? Dame is, is over 30. He's not going to get any younger. He's not going to keep posting up 55, 6, and 10 stat lines every playoff game because this is Herculean effort, and he's still losing. So, you know, I'm just... Just the last thing here before we move on to the quick hitters. If the Blazers don't make it past the first round, what happens to the squad? Do you see CJ finally get traded? Do you see Terry Stotts fired for someone else? I see this. I see a mini shakeup happening if this if the series um, goes where I think it's going. I think see uh, you kind of hit uh, the nail on the head, Jarrell. I think CJ McCollum has got to go. I think his time has run out. If if Dame is willing to stay, then CJ has got to go. Uh, Terry, Terry, you know Terry Scott Stotts. He's I think he's done. I think he's had a he's had an okay run over there. I think his time has go has gone. And I don't know, man. I just I just don't trust his front office. I just don't trust the front office. They can't do the necessary moves to bring about a championship contender for, for Damian Lillard. Yeah. And it's not Uh, like CJ's playing bad too. He's averaging 26 and four assists in 40 minutes in the five game series so far, but go ahead, G. 
it could go one or two ways. Um, if we take a look at the track record for the Portland Trailblazers, every season they're making massive roster changes as far as like five players being like switched in now. Like, I don't know if that's the formula for them. Maybe they need patience. Maybe they need time to get this team together and be healthy because, you know, they were missing Zach Collins and that might have been a big factor. I don't know. But uh, maybe they 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 be patient with it if they don't trade uh, CJ McCollum to bring to get a, a, a star back in return. But um, I don't know, man. They're going to have to – that Norman Powell trade wasn't what they needed. You got another guard. I, I feel like they should have went for um, a, a bigger wing, like a wing slash a three, four, like a modern day four, like a Jason Tatum build, um, not Jason Tatum, but you know what I'm saying? Somebody that could play the two, three and the four. So Aaron Gordon, maybe Aaron Gordon. Yeah. That, that could have, yeah, that could have worked. I think you were the one to call that out, right? That you wanted him to go to the trailblazers. Nah, you wanted him to go to the Warriors. Never yeah. mind. Take that back. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't, it's, I agree with Daniel though. Uh, head coach is gone. He should be gone. Um, not doing much. They haven't, what, they've been, when's the last time they had playoff success? Three, four years ago? Yeah, they made it to the conference finals, I think, in 2019, I think, and then got swept by the Warriors. That was the Myers-Leonard game. (laughs) Bruh. All right, well, (laughs) I don't know, man. That's saying a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Dropped 30 and then dipped, literally dipped from the league, never to be seen again. Probably, well, not probably, for good reason. He's a he's an ass. But yeah, I mean, it sucks that the Trailblazers find themselves in this situation. They're wasting Lillard's talents, and hopefully, you know, they can figure something out. But, you know, just a few more quick hitters here before we wrap things up. So, G, you and I were playing basketball when this happened, but thoughts and prayers to Mark Eaton's family. Um the 64-year-old died over the weekend, and he was a he was an all-star and a two-time Defensive Player of the Year winner. He, um, I saw a, a thing that Mark Stein wrote. They found him. They found the 64-year-old because um, he was an avid biker. They found him unconscious on someone's driveway, and he was that was just it. You know, it's a it sucks that all these things are happening. You know, we've talked about cancer the last few episodes. Now this, it's been a rough go for basketball. Um, Fans, players, and now ex-players too. Rough situation all around. Um, yeah, thoughts on that? It's tragic when you know s- stuff like this happens. I, I just, I just want to say, um, God bless um, and, and prayers to Mark's family. Uh, it's I've never been in a situation where I've been grieving before, so I can never fathom what's going on in their shoes. Uh, all I just want to wish is I just want to wish him the all the best in the world. Yep. Prayers up to his family. Again, celebrate life. Uh it's too short. So um just shout out to him as well as being a California uh native. He was born in California, Inglewood, went to UCLA, went to Cypress mm-hmm. College, uh Westminster High School. So that's always dope. But uh mm-hmm. so yeah, celebrate life and he was a he was a, a a nice player for somebody that's seven. Not I won't. I'm not trying to make it sound bad, but he was he was he was good for a seven foot four guy because usually seven foot four people are tall people. They come in the NBA and they're they're ass. But defensive it's, player of the year twice in an All Star, so big ups to him. Yeah, it's like when you see tall players come on, it's like it's more of a novelty, right? Like yes, you see mm-hmm. Boban. And people say, oh, it's Boban. He's a novelty, but he's actually a really good player. He was like, I think, the Serbian MVP before coming over to the Spurs. So, you know, it's like you said, California kid, G. So it's always it's always suck. It always sucks to see this and you always want to celebrate life. And speaking of celebrating, we're going to end off on a high note here. Daniel, you may know this name. It's not basketball related, but it is soccer related, something you love. But Christian yes, Pulisic just won the Champions League with Chelsea. He's the second American male soccer player to win it, and he's only 22. And now, Daniel, this is a really far callback, but remember when you said he's not going to be the best American player of all time? He's 22, and whoa, he's doing whoa, things. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, whoa, way I, back when. I, you I, don't I, said, I, I, said, I said he's going to be the best American. I did say that. He's going to be the best player, American player of all time. But right. I didn't. It wasn't. He. He's. He's not the superstar. The. The. You know, we're all dreaming of. 
<laughs> well, he, I mean, he's not. We're not dreaming of it now because he's turning it into reality. He's a 22 year old. He's winning the Champions League. He's he's put American soccer back on the map single handedly. Now you see, you know, Gio Reyna and all these different players coming out of the out of the woodwork, all because of him. He is that guy. You okay. have to. You, you have to. You have to accept that he is that guy. I will give him credit. He's the pro. The, the American program is heading into the right direction. And my, I do have a bold prediction for this decade. Uh, the U.S. is going to be the Belgium of this decade. We're, we're I don't think we're going to win the World Cup per se, but we're gonna, we're gonna get, we're gonna make some a surprise, some surprise quarterfinals to semifinal runs. Yeah, no doubt. Because the way that the American soccer situation is looking, it's looking very good. It's looking it look, very. It good. looks fantastic. And you know who's at the head of that monster? Yes, Mr. Pulisic. Christian Pulisic. But anyways, yeah, he's a. It's fantastic to see him doing so well at only twenty-two. Uh, I, dude, I saw he was getting his. He was getting another tattoo, and he actually had the medal around his neck while he was getting the tattoo. I mean, talk about swag, man! Like, I don't know if people still say swag nowadays, but bro was like, you know what? Okay, I just won. I'm gonna get a tattoo. Have it. And when he was lifting up the, the trophy, he had like you like USMT or whatever men's national team on his as like a sweater, just showing that off proudly. So good job, Christian. Although, you know, the United States hasn't been great. You're heading in the right direction. So thanks for that. But with that being said, speaking of things heading in the right direction, don't forget to subscribe to the shooting bricks podcast and leave a review on your platform of choice. It really helps us out. Lastly, make sure to follow us on at Podcast Bricks on Twitter, at Shooting Bricks Podcast on Instagram, and at The Shooting Bricks Podcast on YouTube for all the news and the video of this episode of The Shooting Bricks Podcast. And as always, I'm Jerry Castillo. I'm Daniel Hinn, and I'm rooting for Giannis to win his first championship and joining me as well. Damn, that's a complete switch up. I'm just hoping the Lakers make it a series so I don't have to be too disappointed. But uh, it's your boy, Rally Rail, Jarrell Sips. And we will see you guys next week.